0: Is your family a success?
1: Is there even a measure for family success?
0: We think there is. And with a 20-year track record of success, we're going to show you how to bless your family with success in your health, relationships, and finances. I'm Steve Keen.
1: And I'm Katie Keen. And along with some awesome guests, we are going to give you our secrets to family success. Welcome to Family Success Secrets. Hey, everybody. We are back. Today is episode two with our friend and expert in mold remediation, Michael Rubino. I will remind you, if you didn't hear the first episode, who Michael is, and I want you to go back and listen. Michael is an international mold remediation expert. He has nearly a decade of field experience working with individuals who are immunocompromised to improve the air quality in their homes. He's a council certified mold remediator and a contributing member, sponsor, and speaker for the Indoor Air Quality Association. He works with roughly 75 to 100 families each year as they return to their homes after mold exposure. And in our last episode, we were really talking about what is mold? How do you identify it? How do you remove it? Why is it important? And how does it affect people? So today I want to, to start with very interesting fact number that we were talking about with Michael. How many people do you estimate or is it estimated have been impacted by mold in our nation?
2: I think 30% of the population has definitely uh, susceptibility to environmentally acquired illness.
1: And yet we rarely hear about it. It's not in the newspapers. It's not in the news. It's not very often online unless you really specifically look it up. And I know for a very long time for myself, it just wasn't even something doctors mentioned. You go in saying, I have this problem or that problem they never think of it. Rarely did they think of limes, but that was what they finally got to with me. Never mold until I specifically reached out to a very specialized expert, still thinking I had limes, but they knew to test me for mold, which shares 80% of the same symptoms with limes. You know, and yet here, 30% of the population could be affected. And if you think about how many people are in America, this is a really big deal and there needs to be awareness.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're talking tens of millions of people, you know, and, and and it's it's no small number, and it's it's pretty frustrating to me because like it really makes a lot of sense. The writing's on the wall there, but I think just we just have never really been accustomed to thinking about our environment. You know, we don't feel well, we go to a doctor, a doctor gives us a prescription, we take the prescription. Seven days later, we hope to feel better, and that's just been the kind of the cycle, right? We're not actually identifying the root cause of what makes us sick. And, you know, we talked about in the first episode, you have genetics, you have predispositions, you have the environment. And yes, of course, you know, water plays a factor. We, we, we learned that through the catastrophe over in Flint, Michigan, right? And we know that the environment plays a factor. There's tons of cases regarding, you know, living near power plants, living near pollution, things like that. And we talk about outdoor pollution all the time. You know, it's climate change, outdoor pollution, all of these particles changing our entire ecosystem. But we don't, we just completely ignore that exact same argument on the interior. And I always found that really interesting. And it's like, you know, you can talk to people and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I I had, you know, I was exposed to to this and I got mesothelioma. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, we have classifications for asbestos exposure, right? And we know that as we know now that got into the lungs and it's a particle that gets aerosolized. And as that, you breathe that in, it gets deep into the lungs, it gets trapped, and it causes issues, right? And people can even die from it. And so we've created all these things of, okay, we know asbestos is no good. If it's in buildings, we, we want to make sure that it's non-viable and we'll take care of it, you know, properly. Mold is a little bit different because we can't, we, didn't, we don't intentionally put mold into our homes as we did asbestos. It's as simple as asbestos is now banned from homes, right? That, that was easy. You can't just ban mold from homes because these are external factors that cause it. And so in order for us to actually look at mold, bacteria, and indoor pathogens and be in control of it, we have to really understand how we build our homes, how we restore our homes, even how we maintain our homes. And that has to, to come full circle. And I mean, I've, I've, I've really done the research. I think it's actually a lot easier. It's changing a couple of different things in the building industry. I mean, literally a couple of different things. Maybe, maybe the cost to build a house goes from, I don't know what it is right now, but let's just say it's $250,000 to build a house. Maybe it's now $275,000 because you're going to want to do testing and remediation along the way. But if you ask somebody for $25,000 more, you know for sure that you're going to have a healthy environment. I mean, I think it's, why would you not do that? You know, I think everyone would. But right now, you don't even know that you need to do that. And that's the problem. So, we really have to focus more on the educational side and put these these things in place and say look here guys this is all we have to do when you're buying a home get a mold inspection in addition to the home inspection when you're restoring a home hire a good inspector hire a good remediator you know and that will be one of the easier things for me to solve because being in the business for so long it's half of the standards that i that i want to see happen are right in this book the mold medic and so the road is paved there we have to just get Public acceptance of this. How do we do that? Well, we have to get the public aware that they need this change. And so, you know, these are the things that we're working towards so that we can really make the necessary changes. And then it all becomes very simple. You know, this is not about making remediation this big thing where everyone needs to remediate. This is about changing the things that make remediation necessary in the first place. And so, yes, I'm literally going to sell myself out of this business and help millions of people. In the process, but I will sleep at night with that.
1: That's awesome. I remember when Steve and I were speaking to you at one point, you explained how small mold is and that just like you were mentioning about the asbestos getting in our lungs, how these mold spores can get into our system and you never even know, and that you can have a mold problem in your home. And you mentioned how you can't even see it with your eye. Are you, can you repeat that for us on this for our
2: audience? Yeah, I can. Let me me paint a, a picture for you really quick too i think that'll help you ever like sit on the couch or chair or something and you know like you're near a window and that ray of light kind of passes through and mm-hmm. as you look you're like what is all that stuff in the air right you just see like all these particles floating you're breathing that in every breath 20,000 times a day on average maybe a little more when you look at that it's like whoa you know those are the particles that you can see what about all the ones that you can't i went into this gentleman's house with a with a particle counter maybe 2 weeks ago and I'm holding it like in this kitchen, near the vent in this kitchen and get a, a difference in particles. And we were trying to just determine, you know, how, many, how much particles are being released and circulated through the HVAC system and how much were just in the air suspended thereafter. It's 7 million particles in the air. 7 million particles that were passing through this sensor as it sucked the air in and puts it back out. So every time he took a breath in that house, he was inhaling 7 million particles. It's a lot for your immune system to digest. And, and you know you have this respiratory tract basically. And, and obviously you have self-defense mechanisms in the nose as well. You have nose hairs right there meant to trap these particles so that they don't enter the body. You, you have basically like a type of filter already installed in your body. The is an amazing thing. But with mold, the real danger with mold and, and a lot of these microorganisms is anything smaller than 10 micrometers it's so tiny that it passes through these respiratory tract defense mechanisms, gets deep into the lungs, and enters the bloodstream. It, it like just bypasses everything. Why is that? Because normally we came from an environment where we were outdoors. We had an unlimited volume of air to work with. It wasn't really the, this thing that needed to, to happen in evolution. I mean, now it does, clearly. you know. But it was never really a problem then. Now we, we live in these microclimates where we have all sorts of pollution that occurs inside of our home with unrepaired leaks, the products we bring in, the chemicals we use. Then we create these little, you know, situations where obviously we're just introducing more and more particles. And then we have, you know, pets and things like that. And our own bodies shed skin and cells and things like that. And all these become things that you continuously breathe in. So, when we installed an air filter on this guy's unit for him, he went from 7 million particles down to like a thousand particles. You know, that's how fast this thing started to work. When I I said, you're not going to notice it today, but probably within a couple of weeks, you're just going to feel randomly better. It's just, you're going to be like, I didn't even know that I was not feeling that well. Because your body is having to constantly detoxify these particles as it enters the body and it has to excrete them away. So on top of, having to worry about your diet, the quality of water you're drinking, it just becomes another proponent. And again, it's it's really just never been on our radar. Would you ever think that there could be seven million particles coming into your body every time you take a breath? No. These are things you have to be aware of so that you can make the proper choices, you know, with air purification, with fixing leaks as they occur. And you know what prevention is the cheapest way to salvage anything because you're preventing it from happening. So by inspecting your home once a year. It may seem excessive, but it's not because the second that your, your home is built, all it does is decay. It's just a law of physics. And so your windows are going to start to leak. Your roof's going to start to leak. Your doors. And so you want to have a professional go and inspect those on an annual basis and say, hey, look, you need to reseal all this stuff or it's going to start to leak you know, somewhere down the line. And nobody has a crystal ball and can tell you exactly how long. We just know that as things start to separate, hey, you may want to make this repair and that to caulk a window, I mean, someone may charge me 50 bucks a window. When you have to remediate because it started leaking, now you have to repair the window and repair the inside. It's going to cost a lot more than 50 bucks. So prevention is the cheapest way to, to, to really maintain and and uh, stay on top of this stuff. But again, you know, we don't know that. We've never gotten an instruction manual and we either buy our landlord when we move into our home or, or when we buy a home from our mortgage company or our insurance company, which might not be a bad idea, right? How do you maintain a home properly? A lot of us you listen to our, you know, the generations before us, our parents, our grandparents, they'll tell you, they'll remind you that there's certain stuff you need to do. Some of us have to learn the hard way.
1: I almost think it's wise to look at it like, a yearly doctor appointment for your yeah. house, <laughs> you know, because yeah. when you explain that you can do the prevention and then we can eliminate these 7 million particles or however many, you know, it, it's sort of the same concept. We would go to the doctor every year to make sure everybody's got good cholesterol and you know, all the things they do there. Why not do it? Yeah, for like first? a physical. Yes.
2: house yeah. physical, Home physical, you know, you come in and you check out and make sure do some diagnostics. I created this, this concept called a wellness inspection. I'm starting to experiment with it, but essentially that's what I'm it's like looking at all the different components of a home. How does the roof look? How do the gutter does the windows and doors look? How is the grading? Is it, you know, do you have do you have grading slope towards the house where water is gonna beat against the house until it finally finds a way in? You know, all those things. And then on the inside, you know, looking at the HVAC system, are are there any purification systems? What's the particles, particle count looking like? You know? Is there, is the house built tight? Is there ventilation? I mean, there's so many different things. And so we put together like 80 different points that we want to address. And the whole point of rolling that out is it's not for me, you know, it's, it's, it's really just to get that out and say, this is, this is the type of inspection that needs to be added to everyone across the country that inspects anything. And if I can accomplish that, we're going to save a lot of people, a lot of money and a lot of heartache down the road By helping prevent these things from ever occurring in the first place.
1: Very, very important. So I know that at one point we discussed HVAC, just Steve and I and you. So we, I would love for you to explain one of these things people should check. They should know about at least and have somebody trained to check. You had mentioned HVAC is a really weak point in a home. Can you discuss that?
2: Yeah, it's, it's the lungs of the home. So look at it like that and it'll, it'll definitely help kind of provide that, that picture. You have an HVAC unit typically is composed of two different things, right? And there's many different HVAC units depending on where you live, but, but they always have the same two components. Typically a coil, whether it's water-based whether it's, you know, a, your normal refrigerant coolant, you know, central AC, radiator, steam, you have, you have basically have an internal component. Sometimes it's called fins. sometimes it's called a coil, just depending on what system you have. But basically it's these tiny pieces of, these pieces of metal welded together. And what this does is it actually conditions the air, but it condensates in the process. And so it's always wet. It provides this environment where mold can grow. And I think that that's one of the weakest points about the HVAC. The other other point is the furnace. And these things can kind of, you don't ever run them at the same time. The furnace provides heat and the coil provides AC. Depending on where you live, sometimes your AC is running pretty much year round. Sometimes your AC... Gets shut off and your heat gets kicked on, and you want to make sure that someone is tuning that up, cleaning the coil when, when that happens, and making sure it dries properly. So you're not having this again, this this situation where mold can grow. But get, stopping mold from getting to the coil in the first place is the best thing you can do. A typical HVAC system can cost anywhere from like ten to fifteen thousand dollars. They make air purification systems that are like twenty five hundred bucks that tie into your HVAC that prevent mold from getting to the coil. So I look at it as a way of spending twenty five hundred to protect fifteen grand, and I think that's a really smart thing to do, because that's the part that gets contaminated. It's the coil; mold starts to grow around the coil and turn the HVAC system into a mold factory of its own. Same thing with the furnace; yeah, it's a motor. But it's a motor. It's typically it's burning either gas, oil, or there's electric to to run it, but it's providing that heat. And I think just keeping that clean and preventing particles from getting into the unit is just is just good practice, especially with regards to the ductwork. Uh, if ductwork condensates, that can also create a problem. Although if your ductwork condensating, you can have many different problems. So I think that that's an important part of keeping it dry because as you're preventing mold from getting to it, you're also preventing mold from being recirculated around your house. So it's a double whammy. So
0: for HVAC systems and the ducting and whatnot, those are the ducts are for the most part sealed to us as the consumer, the homeowner. We can't get in there to do anything to clean those out. Can you use uh, ozone or some sort of gas? Or, you know, what do you do if you suspect that? Or if you want that cleaned on a annual basis, how would you go about doing it? A couple of different scenarios come to mind. You have homes that, you know, where you want to switch it from AC in the summer to heat in the fall, you might have a camper that sits idle for months at a time but it's got its own ac system mm. and duct work and then one of the things that i noticed during the recession around 2008 and whatnot and so many homes were being foreclosed mm. is that once the home was foreclosed the bank said and turned off all the all of the hvac systems in the house and it would sit that way for months or years until the house sold and then when the house was ready to sell at a bargain you know, mm-hmm. now it had sat unconditioned for years, perhaps. What do you do yeah. for an HVAC system for the ductwork? Is there a way to ensure that it's safe and clean in order to use it before you turn it back on after an extended period of being turned off?
2: Yeah, a couple of different questions in there. You know, first off, for the the home one, I would say when you're switching it over, you probably want to clean the system. Then, if you have like like the air filtration device on there that prevents mold from getting to the coil. And, you know, it's kind of like you have to do the research and make sure that you get something that's efficient to block out as something as small as a mold spore between two and four micrometers. But if you do get that, you're going to need to clean your ducts a lot less because you're stopping particles from getting into the ducts in the first place. And I think that's that's really key. Right. That investment can go a long way because now you're less maintenance as well as you're protecting your investment. But if you don't have that and you're using regular, you know, MERV 13 filters or, or, or you know, even less than that, some people have, you're probably going to want to clean once a year. And, and it's mainly because the MERV 13s, they're not going to stop as small of a particle. You're going to get some particles going in. If you don't change it as it gets clogged up, odds are, you're going to have some efficiency issues. You're going to bypass and allow some particles to come in. And so all this had to be taken into account. And then you're going to want to clean, but cleaning is not so easy. You mentioned earlier, like duct systems are sealed. Well, they're 97% sealed, they're never 100% sealed. So as you're cleaning, you're naturally going to get some that billows out in the environment, only 3%, but still you're going to get some. So if you are sensitive to your environment, you're definitely going to want to do it in a way where you're like, you got the ducks cleaned, you know, maybe in the morning and then in the afternoon you're having the whole house cleaned to just anything that could have been in the ducks that billows out also gets removed. Now I would say that's a thorough, thorough handling. If you ever heard a horror story of like, I cleaned my ducks and it made it worse. It's because of that factor. They cleaned their ducks. They came out into the environment. They didn't clean the environment. They started to feel the effects of everything that was out of the ducks inside the home. So I think do the one-two punch. Clean the ducks, Clean the house right after, and you're good to go. Okay, so you're talking about hiring somebody, a
0: company, a professional. Oh to yeah, to do that, right? Because that yeah, doesn't because sound like something that I can jump in and do, you know, once or twice a year.
2: I, I would think not. Unfortunately, I think it's something that you should do, and not not like this Sears twenty dollars. Cleaning, you want to hire like a NACA professional. NACA stands for National Air Duct Cleaning Association. Why is that? Because they're going to have the right equipment to go in and vacuum out your duct. And so what they do is they actually will take off the registers in each room. They'll clean the registers and then they'll actually vacuum out the ductwork, all under negative pressure, so that as much contaminants you know that they cannot get into the environment as possible. They will do that, mm-hmm. uh, really giving you a much better. Product at the end result, but yeah, no, they you need you need vacuum trucks with you know vacuums that go deep into the ductwork. Some of them can be fifteen run fifteen feet runs, and you know for you to do that yourself with using your hands, you'd need to punch a lot of holes in your duct to uh, to do that. And I, that's not something I'm going to recommend to homeowners to do.
1: Definitely not. So what other vulnerabilities for the average typical homeowner who's listening today, you know, what other vulnerabilities might there be in a home where they ought to keep aware?
2: Yeah. I mean, if you have like baseboards or radiators, dust buildup inside the fins themselves can accumulate. And I think you want to, you know, make it a regular process to clean those because I've seen them get pretty, I've seen like them being tested for mold and they get pretty moldy pretty quick. Because, you know, essentially once mold starts to get into the environment, it just settles in the dust. And where all that dust accumulates inside your baseboard, and again, you're providing that environment and those things can sweat. And when they do, you know, because you have colder temperatures, hotter temperatures passing through it with colder temperatures in the air, it's going to create some condensation. And if it does, the mold's right there, ready to grow. So they can create some unpleasant situations. And I think that making sure that they stay clean is the best thing to avoid those situations.
1: Yeah. Okay. So you wrote a book, which we've discussed, The Mold Medic. I hope everyone goes and picks it up. I know we're certainly going to have a copy at our house. And you have a chapter that you wrote with a doctor. And that way you guys could discuss some of the health impacts that mold actually can have, mold exposure and bad air quality can have on a family or on individuals. We've touched on some of that. But you've seen so many clients, you know, and you've seen yeah. some of the different side effects and health issues. Could you address that? Could you explain, you know, what you've seen, what you've learned so that somebody who says, oh, you know what? I'm hearing you guys talk about asthma. I'm hearing you talk about allergies. I'm hearing you say there could be neurological, you know, like what have you
2: experienced? What have you seen? Oh my gosh. I've seen just I've what I, here's what I've seen. I've seen that there is a lot of illness out there that for some reason, as major impacts with the environment, and it's too much to be a coincidence. Mm-hmm. That's what I know. And I've spoken to people with Hashimoto's, okay? And again, you fix their environment, the Hashimoto's goes away. I've seen POTS, PANS, PANDAS, tears Lyme disease, chronic uh, fatigue syndrome, brain fog, the onset of a cold that literally never goes away. I've seen brain degenerative disorders. I mean, I know I'm missing stuff because yeah. Yeah, asthma, allergies, MS, I've pretty much seen almost every I feel like almost every diagnosis that has come up somehow some way. I I've, I've been to people's houses where I've had to leave my phone in my car because they were so severely sensitive to EMFs and magnetic frequencies. So, you know, there's there's some really interesting situations. Multiple chemical sensitivity where your environment starts to now make you sensitive to just these parts particles that that you encounter, like chemicals. So I've seen some really interesting things. I've seen a woman on a feeding tube. I've seen a woman get into a wheelchair. You know, by I means she went from climbing mountains to had some severe issues with her environment and was stricken to a wheelchair. I've seen mast cell activation syndrome, is a big one that I've seen correlate. I've seen you know, which, which obviously can accompany light sensitivity, sensitivity to sound. And we've overcome some of those challenges too, by fixing the environment. What, what I, what I'm seeing is that there's a lot of mysterious illness that we have a diagnosis for, and we have treatment options for, but that we've never said, I wonder how building them an environment where they can heal, mm-hmm. how that might alter their recovery. And I think that's really kind of what, what, I, what I like to, to look at is I don't want to say that I think mold is the cause, right? I think that mold exacerbates the problem and provides them an environment where they cannot heal. As a matter of fact, they will continue to decline. And so when you give them an environment where they can heal, they have a really good ability to then like actually focus on removing and handling the issues. And that's why I think the environment can impact those those first two pillars in regards to genetics and predispositions, because I mean I see it. I see, you know, everyone I talk to, it's like when they when you when you ask them when they started not to feel well, it doesn't matter what what their doctor tells them they have. When you just say, when did you start to not feel well? And you put the timeline together, it's like when I moved into this new place or, you know, right after this storm or, you know there's some sort of environmental impact that had happened that changed. And all of a sudden they started to go into a decline. Yeah. And, you know, these, these symptoms and these, you know, diagnose you know, they're, they're basically meant to say, well, these similar symptoms, people are having these similar reactions. These are the types of drugs that are meant to treat those symptoms and reactions, but we haven't really got down to the basic cure, right? Which a cure means you've solved the root, re- of a problem in the first place and so i just think that the environment plays a such such an important part of our our role in our health and you know it's it's honestly shocking that the medical community has not really looked at that as much as they should and you know obviously we know that there are some doctors that are there's doctors that refer people to us to, to fix their homes so there is some awakening that's happening but not on the scale that it needs to be and you know, I, I like what what I'm seeing in terms of people really starting to find the answers they're looking for and to get the help that they need. But I think it's such a small percentage of the population in comparison to what it needs to be. And, you know, I just I want to shorten the time. I want to make sure that people can get the help they need without having to go through seven years. A yes. uh, woman I spoke to the other day on a podcast, she wasn't feeling well for 21 years of her life before she realized that it was the environment the whole time. And once she got out of the environment, she was able to heal. I mean, it's amazing. And, you know, obviously she went through treatments and things like that, but she was undergoing all these different treatments that weren't working while she was in her environment that was also exacerbating her illness. So once she got out of there, she actually was able to have a place to heal.
1: That's awesome. So just in case we have home inspectors listening or HVAC company owners or a construction company owner listening because our audience is broad, uh, broad and varied. You know, I know they can go and should go get your book. You have said there's a lot of what you teach in the book. If they want more information or if they want to directly find you or just learn how they can alter their company, where would you send them if they're listening right now?
2: I would send them either to LinkedIn. They can find me, Michael Rubino. And then at the mold medic on Instagram, I actually had a company reach out to me just the other day on LinkedIn and just said, Hey, I read your book, you know, really awesome, really impressed. And we've definitely started to revisit some of our practices and how we're going to help our clients moving forward. That's the kind of stuff that makes me really happy to see, because that's why I wrote the book. Yeah. I wrote the book to make some change. And when, I think when people, when, when good people, good business owners, when they, Find out about something, and they realize that they they could do something better and help people. Like, there's it's a no brainer. Why would you not? You know, if an HVAC company is like, hey, if I get a better, if I can install better filters in people's homes, I can make them feel better. Why wouldn't they try to sell sell that as part of their process? I would just be like, hey, look, here's what an HVAC costs. By the way, you get a free filter with every one because we wouldn't do one without it. That's awesome. You know, if you you don't want to you don't want to hire us. Hire somebody else. You know, I know it's probably a couple thousand cheaper, but we just won't do it because we know that this is the right way to make sure that you're protected. And you know, if enough people start to stand together and do that and educate the customer, they're going to be thankful that you just save them the twenty five hundred dollar investment, right? You just save them tens of thousands of dollars, right? You have the HVAC replacement you have the medical bills associated with getting sick and having to go through that. I mean, it's endless. Not to mention you're, you're literally saving people hardship. I mean, I think when business owners look at that, you know, most of the good ones and and most people are good. They're going to connect the dots. I've had builders call me that are like, read your book, love it. How do I build better homes? How do, you know, these are really cool conversations. These are the things that I had hoped would happen and they don't happen as often as I would like. It's just this general awakening to, oh my God, we can we can have organizations that heal people by also servicing them. It doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. There's actually a really good book called The Healing Organization that I read uh, not too long ago. Every business owner should read that. It should be a requirement. like to To get certified as a business, you should have to read that book. Because the whole book is about looking at business totally different than we've ever looked at it in the past. It's about providing a service to help people, not just to make money.
1: That's right. Absolutely. For a family who's listening, who's had an awakening, oh my gosh, I need to find an inspector and I need to find someone who's really understands this. Where would you send them? How, you know, can they reach directly out to you? We obviously know they need to pick up your book, but if they want someone to come into their home and do all this work, what do we tell them?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I I do give some really good tips inside the book. To you know how to how do you find a good inspector? Like what questions do I need to ask them? I also have a roadmap on my website at allamericanrestoration.com. You can go on there; it's a free resource to kind of there. There are inspectors that I know that are good that i put on there, but then also there's a resource if you wanted to find someone local. You know, unfortunately, I don't know I don't know inspectors everywhere. But if you need to find someone local and we don't have someone for you, there's a good questionnaire that I provide to help you kind of vet the company. And, you know, it kind of just boils down to, you want to make sure that they're really going to do a thorough approach and look at every possibility of potential pitfalls in the home that are either currently happening or could be happening shortly so that you can make sure that you're prepared to make the proper, you know, repairs as needed to to really protect your health.
1: Yeah. For that family who's relocating because they have a mold problem in the home and they know that they have all these health problems from it and they need a new location. I've recently spoken to someone who's in this situation. What would you recommend they do about their belongings? Because a lot of people, families, you know, they can't, they don't think they can just go replace everything. What would you tell yeah. them to do to protect themselves? so They don't just bring the problem with them.
2: It's one of the most challenging parts of this whole process, because, you know, you get an abundance of mold sports. And again, you know, this whole argument of mold is everywhere. It's, it's not It's not going to be as bad of a situation outside as it would inside. So if you have, you know, different toxic molds that are present inside the home, like cotomium or stachypotris, and these things are, are potentially contaminating your stuff, you want to make sure you're decontaminating that. And one of the biggest challenges with that piece in and of itself is that porous items like fabric is very difficult to remove mold and mycotoxins from. And why is that? Because you got so many different layers, you know, a vacuum may not pull everything apart if something gets entangled in one of the fibers you know mycotoxin is a sticky substance so getting you know wiping it away which is what the protocol would tell you to do if you've ever tried to wipe fabric it's, it's not as successful as fully getting it out and we've all spilled like juice on it or something you're trying to wipe it away it doesn't all come out and so you have to think with that that's part of the problem because it can get costly throwing things away. And moving on from those things. The blessing is it gives you the opportunity to change the way you buy things in the future. Wall-to-wall carpeting, you know, if you have it, okay. But just keep in mind it's a sponge for mold, toxins, allergens, pathogens, etc., and it makes it difficult to clean. So does that mean you have no rugs? No. I mean, you should definitely have some accent rugs and and you know, be able to enjoy the normal design elements of. of you know, having a rug. But just keeping in mind that you're going to have things stick to it, you're going to want to make sure you vacuum it often, and probably even once a year, send it out to be professionally clean. I think those are the choices that you kind of have to to weigh out into buying leather as opposed to fabric. I understand, you know, it's it's a whole different design element. But these are the types of things that you want to really look at because fabric element can, can be problematic, you know. And so I know the performance fabric, they're typically sealed with something before, but even then I still think it's not foolproof. And I think if we just kind of shift the way we look at things and we have more non-porous stuff and less porous stuff, it's easier to clean, easier to maintain. And I think you're going to be better off for it in the long run. Many people, they go through these, these challenges of having to throw stuff away and, and, you know, kind of converting to a minimalistic approach until they can fully heal. You know, once you heal and you get better, you can start to, you know, I have a fabric couch here and there, right? And, and and, make some of these decisions. But I would say, you know, when you're in that transition and trying to like rid of your stuff and heal, you really got to look at that. And all of your non porous items have to be disinfected. You know, like I, I use the botanical product to wipe everything away with microfiber towels. And that's what I would recommend for that. And, you know, skipping that process, you could be bringing stuff with you that still follows you around.
1: What about a family who has children? Maybe they have a favorite stuffed animal or the clothing. Is there something they can do to actually wash and recover those items to be able to safely bring them with them?
2: So clothing and items that fit inside of a washing machine, like a stuffed animal, people have been having a lot of success with. There's two. There's there's like one protocol that I found that seems to work for a wide majority of people. I wouldn't say everyone because nothing ever works for everyone but it seems to work for a wide margin of people. And I think that, that that is giving us some hope there. It's the borax using half a cup of borax in with your wash first, then EC3. So you're, you would do a wash again after that with EC3. Then your third wash, you would finally do with your regular detergent. And then you would then dry it. So it's going to take you three hours roughly to do one load. And I apologize for that, but it seems to be the most effective at actually dealing with clothing and, and anything that fits into a washing machine. Of course, you can't put a fabric chair inside of a washing machine. So that's a no-go, but clothes, stuffed animals, things like that, you'll have better success with that.
1: That could be a big relief because sometimes when a family's having to move for this reason, especially, you know, kids, they need to have some things that, that are familiar. Sure. So that-
2: Okay. Yeah, I mean, you you could even clean Legos, right? They're plastic; it's non-porous. And toys like that. It's just time-consuming, of course. What about things that have mildew on them? Is that treated the same as mold? So I'm going to blow your mind here. Mildew is mold, just another I name for it. Thought you were going to um, say that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I don't know who I don't know who invented it. Probably Clorox bleach. I have no idea. But
0: okay. basically,
2: it's this it's this term that was that was introduced into society as a way to make people feel not so bad about having some mold, right? And they'd be like, no, it's no big deal. It's just some mildew. So let's dive a little deeper. Mildew actually references what's called powdery mildew, which is typically grows on plants. Well, all it is, is mold from the Ascomycota species or family, which you may have heard of, probably a more prominent one of Ascomycota is Aspergillus. And Aspergillus to be one of the most abundant molds inside of our homes that's growing inadvertently that also can produce mycotoxins and make people sick so if you have mildew in your home it could very well be aspergillus which can be toxic so that means we should not be looking at mildew as not a big deal we should just call it for what it is we have some mold growing in let's deal with it and i think it's not to be an alarmist it's to say now that we know about it, we can do something about it, right? Because before we were ignoring it, thinking it wasn't a big deal. Now we're just going to handle it. And so if you have mildew growing on your bath mat or your shower curtain, watch your bath mat, wash your shower curtain, or replace it if it's something that continuously happens. Furthermore, if you have mildew or mold growing continuously, and no matter what you do, it's usually indicative that mold is growing somewhere else inside your home. That's producing it at such a rate that it's just opportunistically falling wherever you have wet, you know, wet areas and it's starting to grow. But when you don't have an abundance of mold in your home to begin with, you don't really see these problems.
1: That's really good information for a family. I know that some of the blog articles that you've written address myths. You've been writing for Mind Body Green right? So anybody who wants to go there, they're very easy to understand, excellent explanations that Michael has written on that website. So I recommend you check those out. Do you, would you mention a few of the myths that people might have heard?
2: Yeah. So one of the, one of the myths is definitely using bleach to remove mold. We touched on that very briefly in the, I think the first part of the podcast, but essentially bleach was bleach just bleaches mold. So it makes you give this appearance that it's gone. It's not actually gone. It's not really removing the root cause of the problem. It's just going to come back. So, you know, unfortunately, if you have a mold issue somewhere developing in the house, figure out what's causing it, fix the root cause, remove the the mold entirely. And now you no longer have a mold problem. I know it seems that simple. It really is. You just may need a, a team of professionals that understand what's happening inside the home that can help you and, and, and actually get rid of it once and for all. So that's, that's definitely a big myth. The other myth is people think that once you solve the source of water, that the mold just like goes away. And it's a living organism. It doesn't just die off and go away. It can become dormant. And dormant really means that it's not producing as much as it normally would if there was active water or moisture. But again, it's like, you know, you're leaving these ninjas inside your walls and just giving them ample opportunity to come back out and attack. The second that some, some conditions occur for it to be there. You just want to remove. And so if you have a situation where a window is leaking, you fix the window. That's good. That's, that's definitely an important part, but get rid of the mold as well so that you're not creating the situation because look, we, depending on where you are, depending on the season, right? You can have a humidity spike where the humidity reaches a certain level, 60% or higher. And that, dormant mold just becomes active again. You know, it it only takes a little bit of moisture for mold to start to grow. So depending on the species, of course, but you want to be mindful and just remove mold when you have that that furnace there. The other uh, big myth, and that's being pushed out by mold remediation professionals because, well, I'll tell you why, because it's highly profitable and it's affordable. So I think that's, that's where it's getting people, but this whole fogging, you know, and I'm sorry for any, anyone that's listening that fogs and I'm going to be ruffling some feathers. It doesn't actually work. And the reason it doesn't work is because it doesn't actually fix the root cause of the problem, right? It doesn't solve the water intrusion. It doesn't actually remove the colony, no matter what they tell you. And yes, it'll kill everything. It will not. Not only will I guarantee it because you can look at their own studies to see that it curves right back up. And six months later, the problem's much worse. But you can see it in action. And when you think about it, it makes sense. And I've been to too many homes that have been fogged. And they're like, well, I was fogged. Why is this back? And, you know, I'm like, well, I mean, you still have that humid air coming inside your home. So it's still going to create a new opportunity for mold to grow what are they
0: fogging with? Is it some sort of fungicide or is it?
2: Yeah. I mean like hydrogen peroxide or paracetic acid or enzymes. I mean, there's all kinds of things that that different companies have developed for fogs, but it's the, it's the fundamentals, which, which makes it doesn't work. Right. You know, it's like, if your leg needs to be amputated, you don't put a bandaid on it. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of, kind of what, what they're, what they're actually trying to do is they're saying, you don't need to demo, right? Demo is is expensive. It's messy. You just, you just need to fog and the fog, we're going to fog with so much at the same particles that are so small, they're going to get in every crack and crevice. They're just going to kill everything. Mm -hmm. It sounds great. Like, I mean, the marketing behind it is genius and the profitability is great because, you know, uh, like I saw a quote for, for a company, it was $8,000 to come in and fog the house. And I know That you're talking one guy who's going to come in, maybe two, and he's going to turn this machine on room by room, fill it up with this fog, and go on to the next room. So by the end of the day, in a modest-sized house, eight hours if it takes you, that would be a lot. So the profit margins are huge, right? However, it doesn't actually solve a problem, and you're long gone by the time they notice because typically they don't notice until six months later. That's when it starts to creep up. And then you have that lag. So like it starts to get worse six months later. By eight or nine months, you're kind of like, this is really weird. Because psychologically, you're thinking the problem's resolved. But it's not. So it's the last place you look again because you're like, I don't know. I already got rid of the mold. And then you know, eight or nine months in, you start contacting the company. And they're like, oh, yeah, I can come fog again. I'll charge you half price this time. And it just creates this cyclical problem. And I see it time and time again and quite frankly, it really upsets me because I know that it's just not helping people and it's not the right thing to do. And you know, it it sucks when people spend good, hard earned money and think that they're getting something out of it and they don't.
1: Right. right there's just families. I mean, we're dealing with future generations here. There's kids at stake in a lot of these homes too. You know, it's just really important that this message gets spread that companies start trying to do the right thing and that families are educated and that families don't let doctors try to make them feel like they're crazy when they come in for symptoms that are unexplainable and that they don't allow remediators to do like what you've said and just out of, out of ignorance charge them for something that doesn't really work and actually can harm them more. So I really hope that everybody who's listening, who has more questions will find you directly. will go get your book and that now you've empowered. I know for a fact you've empowered every listener who has heard this episode and our last one to be able to take care of their family, you know, and take charge in a huge way of their health, because this is so impactful. It makes such a difference.
0: So the one thing we like to end our podcast with is is a success secret that families can easily implement in their own homes for some amount of success. Now, in this case, I'm betting you're going to say something that has to do with your professional expertise and probably not like a (laughs) cooking tip, but if you got one, that's cool. I
1: know we've covered about a hundred, but anything you at least want to reiterate.
0: a thing that you would say, here's the number one takeaway, folks. This is the one thing that you can easily do in your own house. And get the most bang for your buck, or you know, maybe it's maybe it's not even it's a cost-free solution, maybe.
1: And I realized I have one more question.
2: Well, let's get to your question. I'm going to think about yeah, that like and I let go I ask
1: you one last question that I wrote at the bottom of my sheet. A lot of families are going to say, "Can I afford this? I know I've got a problem at my house. I don't know what to do. How do I afford this? Will my insurance help with this? What does a family who's asking that question do? Where do they start?
2: You know, I'm going to say something that is hard to say. But I think you can't afford not to. I think you need to get anything you can in terms of help in, into the equation. and that's contacting your insurance company, contacting a public adjuster to make sure that they have your best interest and can maximize the insurance claim to make sure you have enough money to actually fix the problem once and for all. I would say you know look into financing options. you know I, I've had clients that have you know taken out like lines of credit on their house things like that to afford. Typically, that's what a lot of people do when they're doing renovations. And this is kind of like one of those renovation projects where you're, you know, fixing issues that are only going to get worse and are only going to continue to cause more and more, you know, adverse reactions. I'd say it's, I know it's a tough pill to swallow and, and you could even be a renter, right? And and really have no control over that. And at that point, get the testing done, show the landlord there's a problem. You'll know if you have a good landlord or not when you have that that difficult conversation with them. I happen to have a great landlord where I'm at. When I find a problem, he's he's on it. He's like, the next day I have someone coming to fix it. And so, you know, there's there's enough good people in the world where you shouldn't just subject yourself to working with someone who's not a nice person, who doesn't care about you and your health, while they're while you're paying their bills, so I would say at that point, you know, it's not worth working with that person. Find someone who, who cares a little more, has a little higher integrity. And I know that can be easy to say, but yeah. I think it's something that's important to reference. What is a good tip or trick? I I, I want to not be mobile related here, and that's what's making things so difficult. So I would say, like one of the best things that I do because I can, I can, I'm a very passionate person, as you may may have been able to tell here. One thing that I that I do that I think like helps. With my mental health, right, and because you're 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 dealing with a lot of problems, and you know the heartbreaking stories that I have to go through, and trying to help people, and and I'm, I'm I happen to be very empathetic, and I, sometimes I need to just separate myself from this to get my best ideas to really be able to push the needle further. And what I do is I take walks. As elementary as that seems, I take walks. I look around while I'm walking, and just. You get to, you get this sense of space, like the world's a lot bigger than what you feel it is. And it it provides a lot of clarity for me. And I think it could be helpful, especially if you're feeling trapped or locked in, you're not feeling well, you know, you're, you're just feel hopeless. Walks will definitely help with that. I know it's, it sounds crazy, but go and take a walk, get some fresh air, look up, look around, enjoy all the beauty that you have in your neighborhood it helps me and hopefully it can help others too.
1: I think that's a fantastic tip. I have to say that's one of our favorite evening activities. We'll go around our neighborhood once with our kids and then because they're old enough, they can Mm. come home. And then we have a date. We walk the neighborhood once more on a date (laughs) as often as we can. So I agree with you completely. That's a marvelous tip. Thank you for sharing that.
0: Thank you for asking.
1: Anything
0: else? All right. Uh, No, I think we've asked you about 70 questions (laughs) so far uh, and we've made two episodes. Yeah,
1: so. <laughs> thank you for being so gracious cool. with your time. We'll yeah, of yeah, three. of course. I know. Yeah,
2: no, well, I, I'm happy to be on, definitely. I'm sure I'm I'm in the middle of writing another book that kind of zooms out a little bit from mold and talks about really just the environment as a whole, which I think can help kind of segue all the different industries and all the change that we need to have. And my plan is to kind of outline actionable steps
0: mm.
2: because it's really easy to talk about this type of stuff, but you need you need an action plan. And I think that's, that's the only way you actually get change. And I don't do this just to say, hire me, I'm your only option. This isn't what it is. It's about getting that information out there and sharing why I've had success. And I want others to have success too. And in order for that to happen, we need to all come together knowing what standards of care that we actually want as a society and providing the educational pathways to get there. And uh, that's really what I'm trying to do. And and, I want to thank you guys for giving me this forum today to help your listeners. And hopefully I've turned some light bulbs on for some people that that's going to help allow them to make some transformations back to health.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for sharing all this expertise. So let's go over one more time. Where can our listeners find you?
2: Yeah. So you'll find me at the mold medic on Instagram. I'm very active there. I'm also on Facebook at the mold medic as well. And you can go on the moldmedic.com if you want to learn more about the book and are interested in, in learning where to find it. And also allamericanrestoration.com is has a ton of free resources and information on there. How do I find a good inspector? How do I find a good remediator? Or you know if you wanted some of our expert advice regarding remediation, you know you, you can reach out to us on there. Happy to help.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Michael. We genuinely appreciate this. Mm-hmm. You have helped a lot of people.
2: So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for
0: listening and spending time with us today. If you know anyone who could benefit from this podcast, we would be honored if you would share it. Please rate, review, subscribe, and download.
1: Head over to podcast.familysuccesssecrets.com to have a top-rated family success secret sent straight to your inbox. We look forward to spending time with you again next week during our next episode. See you then.
0: Bye, everyone.